0: Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Well, turn to somebody and tell them God loves you. Amen? Amen. You know, first of all, you know, the worship today and the words we sang, I mean, if nothing else, you should have been entertained if you just came here. But it's beyond that. I mean, if you really engaged in that, something supernatural happened. And I'm telling you, faith arised inside of you. You know, the, we got that little thing inside of us called our believer. And sometimes it stops believing like it needs to. And I'm telling you, songs like that to get our believer working again. Believes God's force, not against us. Amen. That's worthy of a hand clap. Hallelujah. So has anybody got a weapon of mass instruction with you? You got the Bible? That or an electronic device with it on, hold it up, let's shake a little bit, make the bookstores glad, the electronic stores glad, the devil mad. And let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 Okay, we're a little weak on this service. I'm like, well, who is this guy? But this is a weapon, right? I mean, if you believe that, repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, sin deflector, faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a real big shout and a hand clap. Amen. I am in the right place. Hallelujah. Talk to you this morning about moving forward, all right, a new season. Moving forward, it's a new season. And to confirm that, let's go to God's Word, Isaiah 43, 18, 19. And I believe this is a word for now. Just like when pastor preaches, he, pray, he prays and, and gets a word for this season. And A lot of times we'll have a series or something for that season, and, and it's something God wants to share with us. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that is so powerful. Lord, I thank you to go forth and not come back void. Lord, I thank you for our pastor. Bless Pastor John Linnell and Linnell. And, Lord, is there off with Larry Myers in his 80th birthday, Lord, bless this great missionary to Mexico. Lord, bless him and prosper him. But, again, bless Pastor John Linnell and their family. And, Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, I know you already have during our worship time. But let your word come alive, Lord. And we just want to thank you. We're going forward today. We're not going backwards in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, God wants to erase the slate clean for a lot of us and give you a brand new start. I mean, it's like the chalkboard is wiped clean, you have no past, we're going forward. Brand new start for some of us. You know, in the world, if somebody really, really messed up and people were trying to kill them and and then maybe to get out of jail time, they, they maybe had to go to court and testify against somebody, the government has a way to protect them, right? The Witness Protection Program. And they'll send them off somewhere, brand new home, new city, and a brand new name, and they start their life over. I'm telling you, God has a witness protection plan. He really does. He'll make you a new creature with a new feature. He'll give you a new name. You'll never be the same. He'll erase your past so you can have a blast, and he'll put you in a new latitude so you can have a new attitude. Can anybody say, God's into new things? He really is. How many like new things? New purses, new shoes, I like new shoes, new cars, I like new cars, new house, new New cars. Did I mention that? I like especially the old cars that they make brand new. I really like those a lot. But we're in the new. Even new even has a good smell to it, doesn't it? But let me tell you, God's in the new. Let's look at his word and let him say that to you. Lamentations 2.23, his mercies are new every morning. Second Peter 3.13, according to his promise, look for a new. come on, let's do better than that. Look for a new heavens, new heavens and a new, new earth in which righteousness dwells. Revelation 2.17. To him who overcomes, I will give to some the hidden manna to eat. I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name, written which no one knows except him who receives it. Revelation 5.9. And they sang to him a new song. Revelation 21.5, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. God wants to give you a new start, and when does he want to do it? Right now. He really does. Isaiah 43, let's break it down line by line. Do not remember the former. Say former. The former things. That means old memories, habits. That means maybe you're going one way, involved in stuff you shouldn't be. You were walking away from God, and God got a hold of you, and you made a U-turn. You went 180 degrees. That means you said, Jesus, come into my heart. See, I did one of those where, you know, Jesus would be my fire insurance, but I kept going this way. And I didn't really experience his peace and his plan. Then I finally said, okay, God, forgive me. Come into my heart. I'm turning and following you. And then I had to forget those former things. And I'm telling you, you're not a Christian until you see a change in your life. There should be some sort of a change, some sort of a turning. It says, or consider the things of old. Old means tradition, history, religion, past. So you can't look two directions and make any progress. You keep looking two directions, forward and back, you'll eventually have an accident or something. And then he said, I'll do a new thing. That means challenging, fresh, and exciting. And then he said, now it shall spring forth. To spring means to sprout, to appear quickly. I think the apostle Paul got this in his spirit and he communicated to us in a way I think that'll help us. He said in Philippians 3:14, but one say one thing. Hold up your finger, one thing. I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing. Does anybody golf out there? Well, I don't golf much, but when I do, I beat Pastor Travis. The only reason I say that is because he's not here right now to defend himself. Matter of fact... uh, Whitney just got back from California, was out there with our SUM School of Ministry and and finding out and get everything set for our school here again for another semester that you need to join up for. But Pastor Travis went out to kind of be with her. But also, he went to a place called Bethany Church, you know, Bethel Church. And they're just seeing breakthrough in that church. You know, there's kind of a canopy sometimes over our region and and. There's just spirits over different cities, and sometimes that's why it's good just to get out of the city and, and get away a little bit and just get fresh thoughts. And but sometimes over America there's kind of a canopy, and we're not really seeing the miracles that really need to happen. You see them a lot of time. And there's people being raised from the dead in other countries, literally, and you don't hear about that in in the states so much. But there's times where people praying and believing, and boom, it starts poking holes through the ceiling and light starts shining through. There was a thing in Brownville called the Brownsville Revival. We took our youth to it. They come back. I mean, it was one of those holes punched in heaven for evangelism. People were being saved. Revival was happening. And I'm telling you, they're punching holes out there for healing. But, you know, why not here, why not now, and why not us? I mean, people are being healed, but we need to see a real breakthrough in that. So we pray for Pastor Travis. Matter of fact, before I even pray, you might not know, but just a few weeks ago, they were ready to start uh, dialysis on him for his kidney. But his numbers were the way they should have. They said, We need to start. But his health, he looked good and he felt good. So he said, We're going to hold off, waiting for that miracle from God. Amen. So, Father, we lift up Pastor Travis. And I pray that prayer for anybody in here who needs a miracle of healing today. Lord, that you would come by your word and heal and save and deliver. We thank you for your word, Lord. Touch him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, anyhow, I had bought this putter. That was this big putter, and with it came this. This was when the old Kmart on State Line closed. So it was like really cheap on sale. They were giving stuff away. But it had a VHS tape, and you parents can tell your kids what that is. <laughs> but it was one step to better golf, one step, all right? And the thing about golf, how could you get a game any simpler? You hit the ball and put it in a hole, and the less strokes you get, the better you are and the more you, you can win. So very simple game. But how many have tried to play it? It becomes very complicated, doesn't it? You go to swing, if you can hit the ball, it'll hook or slice or go all kinds of places, and, you know, it's just a tough game to learn. But this one VHS said, here's what you do. You you get your grip right, you walk up to the ball the same way every time. You either take one swing or no practice swings, you do your wiggle or whatever it is, but it's just a routine, So where you don't even think about it anymore. And then when you get to the ball, instead of your mind wondering this way and that way, it's just, you just think shoulder. I'm going to start with my shoulder. It was just so simple, but it really helped my game because my mind is all over the place trying to figure this thing out. And it just helps simplify things. This one thing I do, I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm pressing on. God has a high call for me, and I'm going to pursue that high call. And nothing behind me is going to stop me or talk me out of it. Amen? We're talking about a fresh start, a new day, a new season. No past, no regrets, no condemnation, no excuses, no fear. And if you want God to write a new chapter in your life, you need these three things. A new focus, a new fire, and a new future. Let's say that together. New focus, new fire, new future. Let's talk about new focus. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, that means your focus, on the things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your the Amplified says, new real life is hidden with Christ in God. I was going through the, you know, trying to do this and that, trying to find things to give me life. And satisfy me It was sticking things in the God hole. The only thing that will satisfy you is a relationship with God. That's the only way you're going to find real life. Fresh vision. So often in our quest to keep up with the Joneses, to be more popular, be part of the in group, uh, we lose sight of things that are far more important. And we were struggling to get that, maybe that little nicer house or the the extra car or the promotion. And we forget what this is all about. I mean, we're just here temporary. You know, the spirit realm is more real than what we see right now. This is temporary. It's going to pass away. Because God's going to make it all brand new, isn't He? He really is. You know, I believe some of you have lost sight of your destiny. Let's look at a story here that will help us see that. 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7. And the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell is too s- small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan. Let every man take a beam from there. Let us make there a place where we may dwell. So we answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So we went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, first of all, the Jordan, that means place of humility. That's the start, friends and neighbors. Humble ourselves. The place of humility. It said they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. He cried out and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? He showed him the place, so he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and he made the iron float. That's a miracle, right? That don't happen. Therefore, he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. First of all, that axe head represents vision and destiny, okay? It's what you cut your path in life with. Just like that axe cutting a path in the forest, your destiny can cut a path in your life and take you places. It really can. The Bible says, matter of fact, without a vision or a destiny, people wander aimlessly. You know, a destiny will give you a sense of purpose. That sense of destiny, even in my senior year in high school, kept me on track, at least for a little while, and here's what I mean. It was our senior year, we had what we call a senior sneak trip, so we're leaving our big town of 800 in Nebraska to go to the Ozarks for our senior sneak trip, but we got out to the principal and our coaches that there was a few people that were going to take some booze along and kind of have a real party time when we got there, and our coach told us anyone gets caught with booze. We're not going to the state track meet. See, four of us qualified for the 4x110 relay, the 440 relay. That was in yards instead of meters. And we qualified for that. And you know what? We were going to the state track meet. We wanted to win, and this was a lifetime opportunity. And so there was no way we were going to mess around with that stuff. And the bus got ready to leave. We found out that this kid that showed up to our school kind of his junior year that had long hair and people kind of made fun of him, we heard he had a whole bottle of vodka. And he was planning on being the party favorite when we got there. Well, before the bus, it was just starting to leave, and us track guys got around him in that back seat just looking at him. say, said, give it up, buddy. We heard you have it. Give it to us. Well, he gave it to us. And I was the one, we headed down the road, the bus windows were down, and I tossed it out in the ditch. And you know what? We went on the state, we won the state championship in our division, and we were just excited as could be. See, nothing was going to keep us from our destiny at all. But you know what happened? After that, I don't know how long it was, it was a couple weeks or something, I became good friends with that guy. and Because he had had a hot rod car, and I did, and we became buddies. and, And all of a sudden, I got this thought. You know what? I remember where I threw that bottle of vodka out. Two miles down the road, we go looking through the ditch, and we found it. And we are so excited, and, and we become stupid for the next couple nights. And just thank you for the grace of God because, you know, alcohol and fast cars don't mix very well. And, and some of you know uh, the enemy tried to take you out a few times, but you're here, praise God. And not to glorify that past because it cost us something, didn't it? Amen. But the point is, it kept me on target when I had that destiny, that sense of destiny. Because a person's destiny is its life preserver. It really is. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Faith believes. Faith always looks forward. It always looks for the best. And some of you are so deep in the thick of things, it's like you're in the forest and you can't see. You've lost your view of destiny. And for some of you, it's just become life itself. You go to work, you come home, you sit down, boom, the TV's on. You get up, you go to, and are you really doing anything for the kingdom of God? Because that's what's going to last for eternity. You know there's different levels of rewards in heaven? You need to search that out a little bit. It's not all going to be the same. Some of you are going to go in, and everything you did on this earth, the Bible says, is going to burn up, and you'll just kind of get into heaven. But those of you that have been sowing into the kingdom in finances and time and treasure, man, it's going to come out like gold. And some of us might have to leave our little shack in heaven and go to the big mansion somebody has with their swimming pool or whatever. I don't know how it works, but somehow, and even when we come back and reign on this earth for a 1,000 years, some of you are going to be over 10 or 20 cities. Some of us might be the janitor for a while. I don't know. (laughs) The just shall live by faith. It's time to pick up your axe head, your destiny, and do what? And move forward. See, God will make it float, but you're the one that has to pick it up. You know, last night especially, you know, challenge people at the end to just come forward, to step out, make some sort of a move, and God began to move in a powerful way. There, were some, there was people getting saved and people just, see, nothing you could really, so much in the natural, but things were happening in the spirit realm, and you could tell. When you do a little something in the natural, man, God will come to do something in the supernatural, and things can really change for you. So the axe represents your destiny, your vision. That beam that they were cutting down, that board, that represents ministry and purpose. Okay? See, when everybody gets a board, you can build a house. That's what they were doing. They were all doing their part and they were going to build a bigger house. We need a bigger house, don't we? And God put that on pastor's heart and our staff and elders and we've been raising money and we're over a million dollars because everybody's been doing a little bit. And I don't know what percentage it was. Maybe it's 20%? Maybe it's 40%. Maybe it's 80%. But what if 100% would do their little part and bring a little bit and do a little bit? Man, this thing would build fast as could be. Next time, I challenge you. I felt the Lord bring this to me last night in prayer time. Next time you go to a home improvement store, Lowe's, Home Depot or something, just walk by a stack of drywall and see how much it costs. You know, walk by a couple boards. Has anybody just built a doghouse or a patio and ching, ching, ching? It adds up quick, doesn't it? But when we all do our part, it's amazing what can happen. But here's the thing. I'm not really talking about buildings right now because Church on the Rock is people. God is building a building out of living stones, the Bible says, the kingdom of God. And that's why we've got to go out and get those stones that are dead and don't even realize that God loves them and has a plan for their life. Amen? Amen. So what about your vision? Does it need resurrection? Does it need sharpening? You need to pick it up. You have to work it. Okay? What about your ministry? You know, once you get that axe working and you can make a beam or a board, you begin to have your ministry. First of all, say, I am a minister. I am a minister. Sometimes that sounds a little strange, doesn't it, if you're not maybe on staff at a church or something. We have our Connect class say that. But first of all, you're a minister. The word minister means servant. Matter of fact, the five-fold ministry, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the apostles, you know, We're here to equip the saints, you guys, to do the work of the ministry, us to do the work. God has a ministry for you. He really does. Here's something. If you want to reach, well, let's back up a little bit. First of all, I believe everybody that's a Christian is a leader. I just believe that without a doubt. Some well, I'm not a natural born leader. I'm not really, you don't understand. I, you know, I just, I, I'm raising my kids or I'm, I'm just working at a, I just started at Cooper Tire. I'm kind of the bottom. No, you're a leader. Why? Because you're a Christian. You have the answers. As a matter of fact, you have the light. The world's in darkness. Say that. The world is in darkness. And we're what? I don't want to be known as Texarkana, the town that dreaded sundown. You know what? I think we need to be known as the town where the devil dreaded sunrise, the sons of God rising up. When it's dark out, people are, oh, who's that guy with the light? Oh, hey, follow me. They want to follow you. Hey, follow me because we're heading toward eternity, and we want to go through this exit, the non-smoking section, right? Not the smoking section. Because we are the light of the world. Say that. We are the light of the world. Wow, you guys have power in your words, don't you? That's amazing. If you want to reach your vision, your ministry, your goals, and dreams, then help someone else reach theirs. What's the vision of this house? To connect people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We all need to know that. And matter of fact, let's do like Pastor John likes to do it. With our fingers. Connecting people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Did you hear that word ministry in there? It's not by chance. Most of you understand what a magnifying glass is, and it'll help bring things into focus that maybe are a little out of focus or a little small. Also, when all these individual rays of sunlight go through there, it'll bring them into a a point, a focus, and it'll begin to generate heat and it can start a fire, can't it? It can literally start a fire. C O T R, Church on the Rock, is a magnifying glass. We're all individual rays of light. As we flow through the vision of the local church where God has planted you, then you'll come through with more power and focus, and guess what? Other people will catch on fire. And when churches as a whole get a hold of this, they can set a city on fire. That means they can change the landscape of things. Let's talk about new fire, because I believe God wants to send some fresh fire. And He always does that when somebody offers a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they laid things on the altar, and it said the fire of God would come and consume it. What does God want us to lay on a New Testament altar? Our junk, our past, our habits, our attitudes, our addictions, whatever it is. He loves that stuff, and he'll come and send fresh fire to you when you lay that on the altar. And Some people are going to need to lay some things today at the altar of God and let him come burn it up. You've got something to burn up. You know, Cortez, in his expedition to Mexico in 1519, he had 500 men with him and 11 ships. And as they marched away from those ships, I don't know if somebody's kind of whistling along and just happened to look back. Or he told, he stopped everybody after a couple miles and said, I want you to look that way. See, he sent somebody back and had them start all 11 ships on fire and burned them. Basically, he was saying, we're going forward. We're going to conquer or bust. There's no going back. And that's the kind of attitude you need to have, especially when you take a step for God. Because the enemy's right there to resist you. How many recognize either when you tried to come to Christ or made your first step to Christ, man, all H-E double hockey sticks broke loose against you, kind of coming against you. The enemy will try to resist that. Let's look at 1 Kings where somebody decided they weren't going back. 1 Kings 19, 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, his anointing. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people and they ate. And he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Elisha burned his livelihood. His oxen, and his yoke, everything was like, I'm not going back there. It was like if you were a carpenter and took all your tools and sold them at a garage sale, it'd be hard to get started again. And that's the kind of attitude we got to have sometimes. You know, there was, if you just got married or uh, maybe in a relationship and it's looking that way, you don't want to keep what I call articles of affection around. That means... You know, at about a year into my marriage, I realized, you don't want your wife going through your photo albums and finding the old girlfriend. Or somewhere in your sock drawer, you know, finding the old letter from the girlfriend or something. I mean, those articles of affection, I realized, they've got to go. They don't need to be, if much this relationship is going to be strong, I don't need to be thinking about anything in the past. That, when my mind, it comes up in my mind, and I don't want any articles of affection. Well, when you become a Christian, we have articles of affection. We have things we kind of hold on to that kind of tie us to the world, and sometimes we don't want to let go of those. And I remember the Holy Spirit challenging us to do a house cleaning. I remember I got rid of some old albums and things, and and my wife had a lot of these charm bracelets with horoscopes on them, and and we just got rid of those. And you get that thought, should we sell them? We just got rid of them. You know, just get rid of them. And there was one thing, though. On our countertop in our kitchen of our house... It had this cut-in cutting board. It was kind of a, a glass type of a one where you'd cut on it and put pots on there and everything. And my thought was, I don't have the money to replace that. I don't want a hole in my cabinet. So, you know, shonda, shonda, just let it go. And here's what happened. I don't know if it was a day or two. My wife set a pot on there and the thing shattered. I said, okay, Lord. And we go through that house and we're looking for anything. I didn't want any articles of affection from my past life. Anything that the enemy would have... A place in and some sort of a stronghold in my life in any way. You know, you might say, well, Pastor Mike, maybe I I would try that, but, you know, I just don't know if I could, you know, get rid of that or whatever the case may be. I need maybe a little crutch or something. You know what? There's a time to try and there's a time to say I will. There's a time to make excuses and there's a time to burn your ships. Sometimes we make so many excuses. It might be Oh, could you help me do this or do this for the kingdom of God or God's asking you to do something? And you might say, well, my brother-in-law's friend's father's grandmother's sister's aunt's turtle just died. And it was a tragic death. And I I simply can't go into the details, but I, you know, I won't be available this weekend. You know, hell's full of people with excuses. Really is. We always want to blame somebody else, don't we? You know, Nike had that slogan, just do it. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to get out there and do it. And really, that to me, that came from somebody a long time before that, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, if you do the thing, you'll have the power. See, once you commit to a goal, you seem to dig up gold mines of willpower, skill, creativity you never thought you'd find. When You, you need to put a demand on yourself. You need to put a demand on the spirit of God that's in you. Put a demand on God because those who are committed always find a way. Now, let's talk about a new future. And when I say future, I'm talking about promotion. I'm talking about going to that next level God has for you. And you need to count the cost. But those of you that have stepped out for God can remind the rest of us, it's always worth the cost, isn't it? It costs you more not to follow God. And here's the thing. Sometimes things get overwhelming when you feel like God's wanting to do something new and you're going to step out in this big area. Just break it down to bite-sized goals, all right? A day at a time. How do, you eat, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Just one step at a time. And here's a great start, a great first step. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. I'm telling you, when you humble yourself, say, God, I just need your help. You humble yourself. To be humble means you have an attitude of submission and servanthood because promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. It comes from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And again, I'll say it's always easier and more cost-effective to do it right the first time or just to do it right when God says you go, then just do it right away. God's ways are higher than our ways. Amen? He has a better view. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Moses, the Bible said, was the most humble, meekest man in all the earth. And God used him to lead over 2 million Israelites through the wilderness. It was Joshua who served Moses daily. And it was that that serving that sowed those seeds for Joshua's promotion. Elijah, it was said, he washed the feet of Elijah. In other words, he served him. It was that heart of servanthood that opened the door to the ministry of miracles in his life. If you want focus, if you want promotion... You need to submit and serve in the kingdom of God. Become involved. Become part of the team. Become part of the family. Here are some steps I took in my life that just really sent me to the next level, that I just really saw, you know, kind of gave me that promotion in, in the spirit that I was looking for. And the first one was asking Jesus into my life. And I'll say more than that. Not just asking him, but turning and following him. Having a relationship with the Lord. Huge step. The second one was getting water baptized. I was sprinkled as a child. But, you know, I realized baptism is an outward sign of your inward faith. It's something you do publicly. And you're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Going all the way under the water and coming back up. And I did that at the age of 30-something. And then the next one was when I was praying, God, there's got to be more, and somebody prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I got my prayer language. Man, that sent me into supercharge spiritual life. Things come on, I began to be a witness. I began to have power to be a witness and be bold for God. And then just beginning to serve in a church, huge step. But here's the thing, in this, wherever you're at right now, I would do those steps, but the other one, maybe you've done those, you need to join a church. I mean, not just, not just date every church in town or a couple churches or date this church. Sometimes you need to make a commitment and get married because that's where the blessing comes. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will prosper. I mean, if this is not your house, pray that God will help you find one. We have the Connect class. It starts in the first Wednesday of August, and the main purpose is in there is to sit in there Catch the vision, hear Pastor John's heart, and ask the Holy Spirit, is this where I need to be planted? And then just trust the Lord. And you don't have to commit for life. It's for whatever season God has for you. And I'm telling you, something happens when you make those kind of commitments. And then if you've committed and joined the church, then you want to start volunteering. I think we have a little thing in the bulletin. You can text something if you want to volunteer. And you might say, I just don't have the time. You know, make some time. If you just tell them, hey, I can do this once a month or, or I can do it during the summer, whatever the case, just take some steps. And then once you're volunteered, the next step would be, man, look for a way to lead. Lead, because we're all called to be leaders. And we're just taking our signups right now. Maybe you've done a small group and you want to re-sign back up, or maybe you've never done one. And lead a small group, because I'm telling you, that's where disciples are made. In our small group, we have, I think, over 80 ministries this last semester. Why don't we have 160 this time? That much more room for people to be discipled and to grow in the Lord and live life together. That's what it's all about. Amen? Amen? We all have a desire to be part of something bigger than us that's exciting and going somewhere. Don't let the giants of pride, rebellion, laziness, selfishness keep you from God's best. Well, you could say, well, Pastor Mike, you don't understand. I've been hurt by leadership in a church. Well, with all the sympathy in my heart, I say, get over it. I have two. If you haven't, you will be. It's life. We're just people. Probably on this last little mission trip with the youth. I think they're upstairs now. You know, when we get to ministry time, I can get a little intense and say, come on, you know, do not do this right. Don't, you know, so, I mean, none of us are perfect. But here's the thing. We're blessed to have a great leader in this house, in Pastor John and Lanell. We're great, blessed to have great leadership in our youth with Cole and Zach. And, and we got Pastor Travis and Whitney doing, you know, college and, and our university and all those things going on. It's not like David where he was called to be king and he had to serve a, under somebody that was going to kill him. But you know what? David always responded properly, and God would promote him. That's the way it worked. Jacob worked seven years to marry this man's daughter. The man cheated him, and he had to work seven more years. But you know what? God prospered him. He understood love and submission. Girls and young ladies, if some guy says, if you'll love me, you'll let me, just tell him, if you love me, you'll wait. Because if he's not willing to wait a little bit, that guy's just going to be gone anyhow. You're worth waiting for. Can anybody say Amen. God is building a dream team. I want our worship team to come up. When I say dream team, that's what we call our volunteers. As a matter of fact, you want to get a feel for it. Uh, Saturday night, a half hour before service at 530, we come meeting here real quick, and we pray together and, and give some instructions for the volunteers, and we do that Sunday morning at 830 for just 10 minutes. But it's our dream team. And I believe more than that, God's building a discipleship net. Say Net. See, when you catch fish, that way you want to catch those fish. What are we doing? Evangelism is called winning souls, catching fish for the kingdom of God. Jesus told Peter, I'm going to teach you to fish for men. Well, as a net is just individual strands, but when you put them all together and you tie it in knots, see, our relationships individually, when we have relationship, that, those become knots. And the tighter the relationship, the tighter the knot. The less people are going to fall through the cracks. That's what I'm talking about, these small groups and relationship and living life together, form a NET. The NET stands for Nurturing, Equipping, and Training. That's my only acronym I got today. It's a real quick one. But we've got to nurture these new people coming into the kingdom of God. We've got to equip them for what the enemy's coming after, and we've got to train them to reach other people and disciple people. And that's what God wants to do in this house because there's power in teamwork. I had a cup that said a star can win any game, but a team can win every game. As we flow through the vision of the Church on the Rock and Pastor John, we're gonna see our vision more clearly. Our true passions are gonna begin to burn and you just can't hang around the edges and expect this to happen. You have to take some steps. You have to put some energy in it. You have to flow through the vision. You know, after I first got saved, I was in San Antonio, Texas and we got involved in a church and we would just serve and just be available and show up. You know, a lot of times just showing up is a big thing and pretty soon they put us on the altar team when we started praying for people. And then we served some more, and and then they uh, made us deacons. It was a little bigger role. And then I remember we went to a, uh, after one of the service, we had everybody go back to kind of our cafe area, and we had a potluck. And we were eating away and having a good time, and, and all of a sudden, Pastor, I want to make an announcement. And here's the setup. He never had talked to me, hardly ever. I hardly knew the guy. And he announces, I want to introduce our new youth pastor. Mike Omer, come up here. i go, just like, what? I don't know enough about youth pastor. I, I, and I just walked up saying, well, thank you. I'll pray about it. And that Wednesday I was trying to be youth pastor. But I'm telling you, it's God that promotes. He really does. I want you to hear this statement. Dissatisfaction and discouragement are not always the absence of things. They're the absence of vision. I don't know, but I like that one. It's not about getting more things. Sometimes you just need to have some vision where you're going, a sense of of purpose. Life's heaviest burden is not, life's heaviest burden is having nothing to carry. It's better to die for something than to live for nothing. You know that phoenix, the mythical bird that would burn itself to death every hundred years, but then out of the ashes would rise a new bird. And I want to tell you, we need to lay some things on the altar today and ask God to come burn them up. Burn up our past, burn up relationships, burn up habits, burn up attitudes. But out of the ashes, I'm telling you, a new life's going to arise. Out of the ashes of your past will rise a new future. I'm telling you, and I'm here to declare, it's a new day, it's a new season, it's time, it's time to move forward. I asked Nick just a night ago, that or two, said, hey, could you do this song, Move Forward? And you know what, right now, it doesn't matter if they sing off key, if they don't even get it, even though they have been doing a great job. But here's the thing, God wants to do something supernatural. But it's going to take a natural move on your part for you to say to your, some sort of a step to say, God, look at me. I want to take a step forward. I want to move to the next place you have for me. And what was so sad was, I mean, a lot of people just responded, and I want when we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to step out. If you just want to go to that next place, God, I want you to come around the altar, step out in the aisle, do something. If you've never lifted your hands, just lift your hands. Man, I remember when at that church we were serving in, when I first got started there, and it was kind of one of those crazy charismatic churches. I was just used to the, you know, 45 minutes, and you just leave. And he said, I want everybody to raise their hands. And first of all, I thought, nobody tells me what to do. When I decide what to do, I'll do it. And then the Holy Spirit began to work on me. And I finally, as heavy as my hands were, I just lifted them up and I got them up there. And, whoo, man, something just shifted in my life. Just humbled myself, forgot about everybody else. Man, something broke through, that little movement I made. And so when we stand up and get ready to sing, I want you to sing these words as an act of faith. I want you to do something where you're stepping away from something, stepping out of your comfort zone, and just saying, God, here am I. Use me. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Pastor Nick. going back I'm moving ahead I'm here to declare to you My past is over in you All things are made new Surrender my life to Christ Give me a hand, you're breaking, you're breaking the pump for everybody You're breaking the way for the people that don't want to step out Because of fear and stuff and pride I'm not going back, back ahead. I'm here, here to declare, declare to you. My past is over in you. All things that make you Surrender my life to Christ. I'm moved. Free. into that in just a moment and dismiss you but I got to ask one question before we go it's the most important one if you died today are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven you know somebody asked me that April 14th 1984 I really wasn't sure and I realized that day I had to step out you know in front of other people I had to raise my hand and it was not it was something I had to do And invite Christ into my life. And so you're here today and you're not sure where you spend eternity. You don't have a relationship with God. Or maybe you've had one and you've gotten off track. And this message was for you today. God wants to wipe the slate clean and give you a fresh start. But it's going to take you coming to that cross and humbling yourself. So on a count of three, if that's you and you want a new start, if you want to ask Christ in your life, I want you to raise your hand and we're going to say a prayer with you. One, two, three. See so your hands, your hands, your hands, yours, yours. Yours back there over here. Amen, over here. I'm telling you, that's what it's all about. And I'm going to ask you to do something. We usually have you come to the cross, but I'm going to have you come right here right now so we can all say a prayer together. If you raise your hand, give him a hand clap. Come on. Maybe done this before, but we're going to stop this service, and we're going to say a prayer. Man, God loves you. He's ready to give you a brand new start. I want a lady to come behind her, a Christian. I want a Christian behind every one of these people. And I recognize some faces, but you know what? We're believing today's a new day. Amen? Amen. Anybody else want to join this prayer? Come on. We don't want to miss out. You're leaving that past out of those ashes. I'm telling you, you got to humble yourself. Don't let pride hold you back right now. Hell is full of excuses. Today's the day, right now. Let's say this prayer together all over this audience. We can just repeat it. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I give you permission. Come into my life. Change me. And give me the power to follow you in Jesus' day. Today's a new day. And my name is written in heaven. In the Lamb's book of life. And they will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap. Amen. I want a Christian to walk with them over to that cross. Miss Norma and Clint have some information for you. What's God doing in your life? He's changing your life, isn't he? You see the Holy Spirit working on you. Lord, we just bless her with your peace right now. Lord, things never be the same. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. And I pray for healing for her right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, restoration in relationships. Well, we thank you, Lord. And I just break this thing over her, every curse, hex, and spell, that thing that just keeps putting her down and depressing her and depressing her. Lord, we declare freedom today in Jesus' name. For her and everybody else, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen, amen. Okay, if you'll head over there. We're going to sing this through and dismiss. But if you raised your hand and and we got some information over there, especially if you're new at this, everybody else, I want our altar team to come up here. If you want prayer for anything else, I'm going to stick around and we're going to pray for you. Our altar team will too. And go back and sing that one more time. And after a chorus, we'll dismiss the rest of us.